This is The Marketing Workshop, Episode 6. Today we're sitting down with Laura Long, the creator of YourBadassTherapyPractice.com. Laura and I are talking all about how to optimize your Psychology Today profile and how to write mouthwatering copy for your website. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to The Marketing Workshop with John Clark. Grow your audience, serve the world. All right, Laura Long is on the show with us. Laura, what's up? How's it going? Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to have you. And um, I'm trying to spread this around the internet. Um, I think you're cool with it. But um, I consider Laura the Oprah of um, private practice building. Um, <laughs> I think I heard you say that on a podcast somewhere. I mean, I love Oprah. So okay. she was kind of my reason for becoming a therapist. I don't think I'm narcissistic enough to yet call myself the Oprah of practice building. But if you're going to call me that, fuck, I'm going to take it. I just don't know I'll who else, who, uh, what other nominees we have, like who else would be <laughs> and, and fit for that role. So it, that's how, this is how nicknames get started and legacies get yeah. started. So I'm just going to kind of handle that for you. Okay, cool. Um, Thanks. For now. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you and I have, um, we've connected a few times and I've just, I'm always kind of admiring what you're doing and also, um, seeing you release amazing content and being like, holy shit, Laura, <laughs> she must have a team of people working for her. Um, oh, the other disclaimer, um, I, I have a good feeling that we might curse once or twice, even when I say the, the name of your business, I have to. So if you yeah. got little kids or if you're just, um, to, to, um, pure and holy to hear curse words, then um, you might go to the episode with, with Melvin, who is like <laughs> you, the most purest form of language and never curses, And but we're probably going to curse. He's just the, the highest caliber of person and I just can never, I can't, I can't not curse, yeah. but I think we actually already have. So if someone's been yeah, I think uh, you're right. offended thus far, you know, sorry, not sorry, I guess. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, you, you've always got some stuff up your sleeve. You've always working on all sorts of projects um, from your badasstherapypractice.com. Um, what's, what's going on right now? And um, what's also something that maybe people don't know about you or about your journey and, and um, becoming a consultant? Yeah. So, okay. Um, what I've got going on right now. So I'm about to relaunch uh, my, my flagship course, which is uh, not as creative as a t of a title as I would have hoped, but best thing I could come up with right now, it's called 60 Days to Your Badass Therapy Practice. So uh, it's a very structured eight-week program that I take a cohort of therapists through a couple times a year. So I'm about to open it up probably around um, end of August this year. So I'm working on that and adding a ton of good content and videos to that. I'm also doing, you know, the coaching thing. So I've got the uh, individual, I've got a mastermind going and then no one knows this except the people doing it. But I have a very small group of beta testers right now where I am testing uh, a course that I'm developing for copywriting. So it's going to be called write like a badass. Awesome. Release date to be determined. Very cool. Um, um so hold on a second. You had said something that nobody knows about my journey though. Yeah. yeah or about you. It could be about you. I actually have something kind of interesting. It won't, I won't be long, but okay, go it's, for it. it's something that I don't actually think anyone knows about me. <laughs> yes. Thank you for saving that for my show. Oh God, here we go, man. <laughs> so m most people probably think that, that 
my private practice was my first entrepreneurial adventure, but it was actually my second, John. Um, I'm going to tell you about a business that I started in 2009 really quick. I literally started it really quick and ended it even quicker. You want to hear about it? I, I do. My, my imagination is running wild right now. <laughs> it was not naked therapy. Okay. Someone's, already, someone's already doing that. I was thinking more like uh, like a running a pyramid scheme business of like selling, <laughs> um, I don't know, like Cutco knives or something. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's actually sounds like a pretty good idea. Okay. Oh, I, so... Did you ever watch that movie Pitch Perfect? I think it came out yes. maybe like three or four years ago. I watched it on a plane like actually a couple of months ago. <laughs> so yeah, college acapella groups. Yeah. So little known fact about me, that shit was my life in college, 110%. Like basically a word for word rendition of my college experience. I was in a collegiate acapella group, just like that one. So um, I arranged all of our music. By the time I graduated, I had all of these pop acapella arrangements that I had made. And I was like, hmm, what can I do with this? So I started a website. It's not around anymore, so you can't find it. But it was called L's Arrangements. And I would sell these fuckers to high school and collegiate acapella groups for like next to nothing. Right. And then I, you know, create these custom arrangements for people to use in their competitions, just like in that movie. I did that. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, but I thought the there was going to be something embarrassing about that. I'm like, that's um, that's just very entrepreneurial of you. It's just badass in a in kind of a a, a like a nerdy theater way. <laughs> that's probably the most embarrassing part. But I think <laughs> just the fact that I stay in college acapella, I think, is embarrassing first and foremost. But I think I also probably made every business mistake that you could make right. with that business first. Uh, no profitable business actually targets people with no money. Sure. <laughs> and um, <laughs> as you can imagine, high schoolers and people in college, uh, especially people in college, they're like, what, surviving off of ramen noodles? So how was I supposed to like make any money? So I'm sitting here charging like literally next to nothing for these arrangements. And they're emailing me these like poor me emails. We don't have any money. The department hasn't given us anything. Can you just give it to us for free? <laughs> um, and then second, I made like the second biggest mistake. I would spend literally 40 to 50 hours on one custom arrangement. This shit took me so long. I wanted them to be perfect. But then since, you know, acapella groups are broke, I couldn't charge more than like a hundred or $200 for this. That, and that one time I started a nonprofit and <laughs> without realizing went, into it. went into debt trying to, trying to be a, <laughs> a, a business person. <laughs> so I mean, I, I suck at math, but when you break it down, I probably made like a dollar forty an hour. So, right. <laughs> yeah, that business probably lasted like a year, and then I was I was off to bigger and better things. But yeah, that's something that people don't know about me. I sang in college acapella groups, and then my first entrepreneurial adventure was L's arrangements. I really no longer I love I love that. Well, it if anything, it tells us that um, we need a plan. Um, and I bet you help your consulting clients with this now. Um, and we got to look at the numbers at some point and know who's going to buy this thing that we're selling. <laughs> yeah. If your ideal client is someone who doesn't have any money, you probably should come back to the drawing board. Yeah, I would say so. But the cool thing is you did it and because you loved it and it was, it was a novel idea. Um, and it, maybe it yeah. still is. It just needed some tweaks, but I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I love, I love your that. silver lining, your silver lining reframes, John. You're clearly yeah. a therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's I just do that instinctively, but I, I just can't learn to do that for myself though for some reason. 
<laughs> you know, just get, get into those really negative thoughts. Um, so, um, you know, I have to ask you about this because first of all, no one's talked about it on the show yet. Number two, I think there's a lot of buzz about it, but you created a free course on, um, uh, creating a badass psych, uh, uh, psychology today profile. And I'm wondering like what, what's in there? What, what is, uh, what are a couple of the tips that people can get in there that's, um, even if I just had like five minutes to update my psychology today profile, what's, what should we know? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So yeah. So what happened was I was reviewing hundreds of profiles, not with, I had no intention of creating a course around it, but after you look at, I don't know, 200 plus profiles, you start to think, Jesus Christ, these people have no idea what they're doing. I need to help them. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, whatever. I'll just create a free course. And then, yeah, like, like you were saying there, there was a buzz about it. So I was like, okay, well good. Then, then it was helpful. So a couple of quick tips. Uh, let's see. First and foremost, I guess uh, one huge thing that I see, and since this whole episode's about copywriting, I figure let's just focus on that part. So um, I think so many therapists on their site today profiles, they end up talking too much about themselves. They'll focus on their licensure type or they got their degree, how many years of experience they have, and they end up wasting the limited space that they have just talking about themselves. So something real quick that you could do in just five minutes is read your profile. How many times do you say the words I, me, or my and replace them? Talk about your client, the person reading. What is it that they're going through? Um, if, if people, it's almost like this, this business psychology uh, mindset, but if people truly feel like you get them, they're automatically going to make the assumption that you can help them too. You don't have to prove yourself. Sure. So that would be kind of like a quick and dirty little tip. But each each week of the psychology today, it's called from bad to badass. So every awesome. week I focus on something specific. And one of the weeks I talk a little bit more in depth about the importance of talking uh, to your your client using their words. I even uh, I even go on there and I have a psychology day hall of shame. I don't know <laughs> if I should be sharing that. <laughs> I hope I'm um, not on there, but it's you're not on there. But I, I'm waiting to get the email from someone who recognizes <laughs> it and is like, cease and desist. Well, but they would have taken your course to get to to get to see this, right? And so they would hopefully have just yeah, been transformed. Um, yeah, I could turn them around and be like, see, so now it's better. Yeah, look what I did um, for you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> That's hilarious. I um. So when we see the words about, or when we're filling out an about page, um, our minds just go, oh, about me, right? Yeah. Um, but it's not really it's not really about us, right? That section is about the client. That reminds me that I need to probably arrange a song, uh, an acapella version of You're So Vain. And put okay. it in your course. <laughs> Bet you think. Yeah, so your about page really <laughs> has very little to do with you. Yeah. Uh, but I think we just get confused. One thing you could do, you being anybody listening to this, is go to any website of any major company. Um, I'm thinking like Apple or like something that's just huge. Sure. And you go to their about section, their about page, and it's going to talk a whole lot less about the specs of that product you know, or the details of the service or who's behind the scenes. It's going to talk all about the person reading it so that you understand that they get it. Well, the reality is you convey, you should be conveying who you are and your about page should really be 
everything about the impression you make with both your copy and even your image, your logo, all that stuff should already be kind of filling in the filling in the the gaps for um, for describing who you are, right? And then and then yeah, if you want to throw in those details um, or, or, or write. You know, some clients really want to know where you went to school and that that kind of that kind of stuff. Oh, sure, put it somewhere, but don't don't let it be your first impression. Yeah, I tell my the students that are taking my beta program right now for the copywriting course. I tell them there are people who care about that shit. Like they want to know where you went to school, where you got your degree, your your experience, all that. Put that at the bottom because the people who really want to know about all that stuff, they're going to be reading all of that good juicy stuff first. And then they'll get to the bottom and be able to see it. So there's nothing wrong with having it on your about page. You just got to put it strategically in a place where people who want to know that they'll have access to it, but that doesn't need to be where you start. This isn't a resume. Absolutely. So why do therapists suck so bad at copywriting? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Okay. So, okay, let's. I I wrote that question out and and just reading it verbatim. (laughs) First and foremost, most therapists who suck at copywriting, it's actually not their fault, guys. Like, it's not your fault. We didn't learn this. Yeah, why would we know how to do it? That is that is so true. We learned academic writing. Yeah. Like, we learned how to write essays, how to write dissertations. Like, we didn't learn how to do copywriting. So I don't, I don't mean to sound shaming. I guess that's just my personality. I'm really abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we learned academic writing. And that's so far from what compelling copywriting actually is. So that's why they suck. We just, they didn't learn. No one taught them. No one, no one, no one taught us. Um, the yeah. best copy, the best copywriting, John, it, it like, it tells a story. You know, if you ever, like, I know people are all over their Facebook news feeds and they're, they're looking at these Huffington post articles on whatever topic it is. Sure. If you ever find yourself lost in a blog post or some article, it's because the author did a damn good job telling a story. And who doesn't love a good story, right? I would love to uh, to see more therapists having home pages and about pages like that. Yeah, you know. I want I want my reader to get lost. But okay, so there's there's two more reasons I think that therapists suck at copywriting. The first, I wanted to just give it like the blanket statement: you yeah. weren't this. Yeah. But second, I think therapists get confused about what their prospective clients actually want or actually care about. Mm. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the Psych Today profile. You know, they don't, they don't care about you. They care about how you can help them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all too often, I think therapists spend too much time trying to prove themselves. Um, but, you know, your clients don't really care as much about you. They just want to make sure that you get it, that you can help them. So that's, that's kind of the second reason I think that therapists suck at it. <laughs> Totally makes sense. Is there Um, a third? There is a third. There's probably more actually, but I only came up with three. Three is great. I think therapists struggle to strike a balance between being professional and then being relatable. So there's like this, this tight rope that they feel like they have to walk so that they can, you know, prove themselves to everybody, but also show that they're personable, they're relatable. And that, that tight rope is really tricky. So they end up either being uber professional and it's like, it's just really boring. It reads robotic, like a formal resume, or sometimes a therapist, uh, copy, whether it's their, their website, their site profile, their email list, their blog posts. Sometimes it can really go. It's like a pendulum goes the other way and is just, uh, so out there in a, it's almost like they're too much self-disclosure, sure. you know, the ones that it's cause like, 
you're talking to someone who curses all the time, but if you go to my practice website, I'm not sitting there like dropping F bombs. You know, like it's, <laughs> the positioning is a little bit different. Um, so yeah, I think therapists really struggle with that balance. Yeah. So they, they most likely veer too much on the professional side and forget to be a right. little bit more humanistic. Well, and let's talk about why that happens, right? Because, um, I think there, you kind of have to bring in theory in a way and the theoretical orientation of the therapist a bit, because there's, there's, Everyone, you know, is taking you're taking a different stance depending on what kind of work you do and and how you view um, the ther- therapy relationship in terms of what you're willing to disclose, right? Um, some people really, um, especially if you're trained psychodynamically or something mm-hmm. like that, like you might want to still remain that blank slate, but also still like have a strong brand and have have great copy, um, but. I think what what it comes down to is, are you making that decision intentionally? Are you intentionally choosing to disclose more or less um, based on kind of everything about you and what you're trying to convey and and what's true for you as the therapist? Um, Or are you just doing what you saw the next person do on their website? Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree with you on that one. But it's kind of this form of self-disclosure, right? That you you can choose to say more. You could choose to say something like, you know, I became a counselor because someone was a great counselor for me uh, or counseling has been so helpful in my life. And that's a form of self-disclosure that you might make to um, your entire audience or anyone that comes to your website, right? And that's a that can feel like a big deal. Mm-hmm. I was working with a, a coaching client earlier today, actually, and we were looking at her about page. And at one point, and it's towards the bottom, but she talks a little bit more about why she became a therapist. And she's like, you know, I, uh, initially when I was little, I wanted to be a pediatrician. And so she kind of went into this little bit of a story and she didn't go into any inappropriate self-disclosure, but it made her relatable. And I told her that, you know, any client or prospective client reading this, it's like all of a sudden you become a human. You're a real person, you know, yeah. you're not just this like robot well, the reality is uh, potential clients might be looking at five, 10, even more um, websites back to back, right? They're sitting there on Sunday night or whatever, or, or you know, searching on their phone. Um, and yeah, every everything starts to, to blend in real, real yeah. fast, just like searching for anything, right? Yeah. It all, a lot of people water down their message. Um, I think we we're about to get to that too, but I think in order to sound almost like everybody else, you know, we say things like, I provide an empathic, non-judgmental, person-centered treatment approach. Sure. And I'm like, everyone's saying that. <laughs> so yeah, and no one knows what it means. Yeah. And clients don't, yeah. don't, don't know what it means. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck is that? What's a person-centered approach? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so when I, I try to tell people this, you know, when, when people are coming to you for therapy, they're not just coming to they don't just want information or they just don't want like they're not only coming to you because you're close to their work or where they live they're coming to see you so it's in their best interest that your your copywriting really displays who you are your your positioning your branding and i think a lot of therapists are afraid to do that sure so how do how do therapists go about writing mouthwatering copy <laughs> which i also wrote down because that's what we're calling it well, that in and of itself is pretty, pretty juicy. Mouth I'd say so. Copy. Yeah, it's very descriptive. Um, yeah. So, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just like completely beat the dead horse of the ideal client mm-hmm. uh, memo, but I will say that 
absolutely you have to know who it is that you're talking to. Yeah, everything has to kind of come back to that. It really, I'm, I'm not, I promise guys, I'm not trying to just beat it down. But yeah. if you're trying to appeal to as many people as possible, your message gets watered down. You can't write copy that appeals to the new mom, a couple in their 50s, and a young adult, like all at the same time. You end up just saying things like what I was saying earlier, like, I provide a compassionate, non-judgmental, because that's the only way that you can appeal to all those people. So I think the first step to writing mouthwater and copy is knowing exactly who it is that you're talking to. You can't appeal to everybody. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give a, a warning really quick, a little bit of a disclaimer for those uh, sensitive types, but <laughs> I'm about to probably make some therapists really uncomfortable with what I'm uh -huh. about to say. <laughs> See why I'm just going to save all this juicy stuff for your podcast. I appreciate uh, that. I knew you'd been kind of saving up. I'm holding out. Yeah. Uh, so I hear a lot of coaches talk about, you know, attract your ideal client, talk to your ideal client, use your ideal client's words. All of that is true, but I'm going to add to it in a way that I think is going to make people uh, kind of go, I don't know if I want to do that. Like they're going to be not very happy with what I'm about to say. So uh -huh. The, the mantra that I use, particularly in my coaching business, but attract only your ideal clients and repel the rest. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the fact, John, that I use the word ass in my business name <laughs> was no accident. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm practicing what I preach about marketing and, and, and copywriting. I want a very specific type of therapist in my, in my tribe, if you will, um, so that is one way that I, that I try to appeal to a very specific type of person and literally repel the rest. I've gotten the hate mail early on. Like you're foul mouthed, you cuss too much. Like that's, that's awesome. There are people for those people. I'm just not that person. Sure. So when it comes to therapy, I think that that's something else to remember. Um, if you're trying to write mouthwatering copy, you need to appeal to your ideal client. And in addition to that, repel the, repel the rest. I think that makes so much sense. And we, I think therapists, you know, some therapists will cringe at that because it almost they is like, well, will. it's, that's, that's mean, right? Like, that's kind of mean. <laughs> I don't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> but um, you were just doing yourself a huge favor and you are, you're positioning yourself to increase quality leads, not just any leads, not just anyone calling my phone, right? Which sometimes we get into that, that kind of mode of like, I, I don't care who calls as long as it's someone and they, pay me $90 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's not what we're all about. So let's talk about how you do that. Let's talk about how you repel the clients that you're not yeah. looking for. Let me give an example that might help because you're not repelling them in the sense of literally verbatim saying, I don't want to work with you if you're this type of person. Sure. And in fact, you know, the, the main reason that people are against the idea of, of having a niche or a niche is they think they're just going to uh, it's like, we're only going to work with that type of person and mm. no one else. And, and no therapist wants to only work with type, one type of person all the time. Like I totally get that. And that's like a different podcast episode for a different right. day. So in a nutshell, you end up working with everyone regardless. Cause you're, if you're super niche for teenagers with eating disorders, you're going to have teenagers with anxiety and then mom's going to mm -hmm. want therapy for her depression yep. and you're going to end up doing a little bit of everything anyway. So that that's a common kind of misnomer and niching. Yeah. Well, and what happens when you have a really, when your copy is so good, there are people who 
like, okay, for example, so, um, my practice website needs a lot of work, by the way. It's, it's one of those people where it's like, uh, I think Ernesto was talking about this once where he's like, this is all I do is like video for all these other people. And my videos aren't as good. Yeah. I, I totally <laughs> understand that actually. He's like, my I, I've got the same thing on my to-do list. I'm yeah. Like, so I'm like, yeah. gosh, I'm sitting here talking about like great copy. I'm like, right. oh man, I, I know my about page needs some work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll get calls sometimes from parents with young children. There is no place on my site anywhere that even remotely talks about working with kids. But I still get those calls. And it's usually because the way that I write relates to the parents in some way. And I'm not trying to, but it just does, probably because I'm actually speaking to somebody. So when you are when your copy is really good, even if you are just speaking to one type of person, the fact that you're being authentic or the fact that you are writing in such a way that is connecting to somebody, you're going to connect to a lot of different people, not just the ones that you're intentionally trying to talk to. So an example that I was thinking of, um, so I have a, a coaching student doing the beta program and she primarily wants to work with a very specific type of teenager and a very specific type of family. No one who works with teenagers, as, as far as I know, no one who works with teenagers wants to work with a family unit where the mother is like a complete piece of crap, right? Like you want to work with a family where, sure. uh, Ideally, we want to work with a family where the teenager's having some issues and maybe the parents are engaged in some way, like they're willing to be a participant, right? They don't want to just drop their kid off to get quote unquote fixed. Right. So if you know, like if, if that is your niche area, wanting to work with teenagers, but in your mind, you're picturing this family that, yeah, they're dysfunctional. They've got a lot of shit going on. And this teenager maybe has been the symptoms of the, of the huge systemic issue, but you want a family that is willing to participate in therapy. You're going to speak to them a little bit differently. It might be slight or subtle, but you're going to speak to them differently than you would just any parent of any teenager. Cause I want to talk to that parent and say, You've tried everything. Like you've taken this kid to all these different specialists and you still are wondering what's wrong. The parent who is maybe out to lunch, disengaged, aloof, hasn't done that, right? So I'm being very clear in my copywriting what kind of parent I'm talking to. And so if a parent who is that, fits that description, who has tried everything, who is really engaged, involved, feels very close to their teenager, but sees that the teenager is starting to keep all these secrets and it's really confusing for the parent, if you're telling that story, the parent who that resonates with is the one who's going to be like, oh my God, I have to call this therapist, right? right? Whereas the parent who maybe uh, just wants their kid fixed, they're going to see all this and it's just not going to click with them. So you are literally repelling the parent that, that you don't want to work with. Like that's good because <laughs> I don't <laughs> want the parent who is just going to drop their kid off and then bitch at me because little Susie isn't fixed in three sure, sessions. Sure. <laughs> I want the parents coming in and being like, okay, what are you guys working on? How can I help? What can I do at home? And so that's one way that you can actually attract the people that you want while repelling the rest. So that's kind of one example. So, so how do you help therapists get out of this mindset, this kind of scarcity mindset of like, I just need a client or especially folks who are focusing on um, private pay. I just need someone who will pay. Ooh, it's a good question. Hmm. Well, I think ultimately, if you are just thinking to yourself, I'll take anybody who will pay me, you will get a lot of people who don't value therapy, who don't value you or your time, 
and who might pay you for one or two sessions and then ghost you, uh, you're going to get people who don't make being a therapist very fun. Sure. Like I, I don't, if, if I feel like I'm, I'm so desperate for clients that I'll just take anybody who comes in the door, anybody who's willing to pay me, I'm going to end up getting some really, really, uh, not tough cases in the sense of like clinically challenging. Cause I think that that can be really fun, but challenging in the sense that you don't know what you're doing. You're having to get extra supervision. Maybe it's, you're getting a lot of calls for people who are outside your scope. Uh, it just, it's going to make, it's going to make your business not enjoyable. And that's the whole reason we're getting into private practice is to call our own shots. Right, right. So I guess that's probably what I'd, what I'd tell that therapist if they were like, you know, I don't care who I, who I bring in as long as I'm getting paid. It's like, yeah, that's going to work until you burn out. Sure. Cause you'll get a ton of people who you don't feel like you can help. And that's just going to cause this snowball effect where you're not helping them. They're not making progress. And then you start questioning yourself. So it just kind of reinforces like, maybe I'm not cut out to do this. You so really want to build your practice in a smart way, not just a full practice. Um, you want to you want to be more thoughtful about it, and and I love yeah. that about all of this and how copy has a big part, uh, has a big role in that, right? Yeah. Um, so we're absolutely. attracting our ideal clients while repelling the others. Oh man, people are going to cringe when I when they hear that part, but it's, <laughs> maybe just sit with it. You know, just sit process what that looks like i'm sitting with it and i'm i'm liking it actually yeah really well, good am. thanks thanks <laughs> i am um, you know so what about images and i know um that we're focusing mostly on copywriting but what about images cuz like you know you go to um my group practice site and i intentionally have a lot of these kind of instagram feeling images we work with mostly young adults and these kind of younger busy professionals um so it's kind of clear when they arrive it kind of looks like their instagram feed right mm -hmm. um what would you say about using images or even using stock images that's that's something i would i used to be adamantly opposed to them um and now when I know, I kind of know where to source them from. I, I feel like, okay, you can get some good ones if you're, uh, if you kind of know what you're looking for and you have someone helping you figure out how an image represents your brand. But what are your thoughts about images or even, even headshots? Yeah. So, um, I'm interested to hear why you were so against it. Was it just because stock images are so stupid? They're just sometimes? so cheesy. And yeah. <laughs> a lot of outdated therapist websites or a lot of like really stock, um, websites that were maybe created by some service that, does not do custom sites, they can just be so bad, right? It's just like the two yeah. <laughs> um, middle-aged white people like with their 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 faces in their hands on a couch and some therapist oh, yeah. in a white well, blouse like <laughs> with her glasses sliding down her nose. Like <laughs> That's like the beginning of a porn it. movie. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. It is. It just yeah, feels I'm so <laughs> staged and awful, but... Uh, that's why I, pick, I used to hate I picture them. A really, I picture a really bad PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, I think images are vital. Bad images are the worst. <laughs> but the images in and of themselves, I think, are really important. Um, you know, when, when coaches like you and I say things like, speak to your ideal client, I think some therapists unintentionally take that to mean, oh, that means I should say, I work with women between the ages of 20 and 35 who are struggling with anxiety. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Like that's, that's not compelling. Sure. So what you do is you actually 
think of that person, that woman, for example, uh, what is it that she's actually struggling with and go and in, go inside of her mind and use those words and phrases. But then what you could do is use an image of that woman, right? So the, the 20 something, maybe if you live in an urban area, you know, you can find really good stock images, um, free and otherwise not free, but you can find good images of a woman maybe on a train or something, but she fits that description. So you don't have to, in your copy, literally say, you know, I work with professional women. Like you would be telling a story, right? You'll be saying things like, you know, um, you're on your, you're on Facebook again and it's like the 20th baby (laughs) and you're sitting here like, you're still single and it's really hard and here are all the reasons why. Right. And then you would have that picture, that supporting image. So I think that having images are a really great idea and it helps. It also helps break up the copy too, because as you know, long pages are good. Um, we can talk about sure. SEO, which I lovingly refer to as the Google machine. <laughs> <laughs> so the Google machine likes the long pages, right. but that yeah. doesn't mean that you just want these huge blocks of text because people are lazy and they're not going to read all that. Sure. So um, breaking it up with some good images. That's a really nice way to, to aesthetically make your, your pages look really nice. So I know that we've got to focus a lot of our time and energy on really um, honing in our homepage, right? So the first page that a potential client sees, and then probably um, the, the about page, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the two that we we need to focus on a lot and, and need help with. Um, what about other pages? What about like your services or like your your fees page, stuff like that? Um, I know that from some of my own analytics, um, you know, the, the fees page is, um, I think, the number two most visited after the homepage. That's, you know, people... They read, they say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to consider this guy. And then I, um, how much is it? Right. So what do you, what would you say about those other pages? Yeah. Those other pages will particularly go into the services pages. Uh, and I think you've made this very clear in all of your free stuff, which is great, but having separate pages for each service you provide, sure. uh, that's really important. And you know, that's another uh, podcast episode, but <clears throat> I think it, that those are really good pages because you're right. People are, are landing on the homepage. They're most likely going to check out your about page. Um, maybe your fees page next, but at some point they're going to end up on the services page specific to the service that they're looking for. And so that's a place where you really are speaking and honing in on that, that specific pain point that they have, uh, taking some risks with your coffee too. Um, you know, like in my example earlier, I was talking about the 20 something year old professional and I even mentioned Facebook on there, like go there, you know, take those risks about what it's like to be that person. Uh, when it comes to the fees pages, usually I try to make a case for it. Some people, you know, it's, it's like a whole different topic, whether or not to list your fees. I'm not getting into that. Sure. But as far as if you do have a fees page, instead of like just plopping the fees up on there, why not talk a little bit more about therapy being an investment in themselves? Sure. Um, maybe explaining a little bit about what it is that you offer that another therapist might not. Yeah. What if you offer those, those late night slots sure. or weekend slots? Like talk a little bit more to that. Um, before I've, I've used like that page in. to also um, talk about what to expect, right? And just in real yeah. plain language, like especially for people who haven't been to therapy before, um, this is what you can expect. You come, you sit in the lobby, you get greeted, like, you know, there's espresso and water. Um, your sessions are about 50 minutes long. Like just just really um, walking people through what, what it's going to look like. Um, yeah, images of your office if you have oh, a nice yeah, office, crucial. you know, a little yeah. office tour right there. That would be really great. Um, so I I like to think of 
of websites as it's like a, a create your own adventure, right? And so the the visitor gets to choose where they're going, you know, what pages they want to visit, what order, but it, you also have a responsibility to help guide them and steer them where you want them to go next. Absolutely. So for example, at the bottom of every page, don't just end there. Like, what do you want them to see next? So under, uh, you know, the bottom of your homepage, you probably want them to go to your about page next. So instead mm-hmm. of making them go all the way back up to the top of the navigation bar, cause people are lazy as fuck, put a, <laughs> put a call to action button down there. Yes. You know, so like more about me. And so then the bottom of the about me page, they probably want to know what services you provide, have buttons for those, you know, so make it, make it like a fun adventure yeah. for the person as they're reading. Well, the, the reality is at the end of a page, uh, especially your most visited pages, they want to do one of two things. They want to read more. They're still in the decision-making process or they want to, um, they want to take action, right? They want to mm-hmm. call or they want to email you or set up the first appointment, whatever option, you know, you're offering on your site. But yeah, you just, you have to make it really obvious what the client should do next, you know, especially at those, uh, the ends of your pages. That's just so overlooked. Um, so when should a therapist um, outsource their copywriting? Mm. I think probably like with everything else, if you feel like you've been banging your head against the wall, you're starting to just put it off, you're procrastinating on it. Just like with anything, that's probably a good sign it's time to outsource. Because I think that everyone can learn how to write good copy, but it doesn't mean that everyone should. Sure. <laughs> I mean, everyone I can learn how to fix computers, right? Yeah, but I don't give yeah. two shits about that. So, um, so yeah, you should probably consider outsourcing when you find yourself avoiding doing it. Uh, you really don't care at all. You're pissed off about having to do it. Uh, you start doing it, you get completely frazzled and overwhelmed, and then you immediately open a window and start looking at Pinterest instead or somewhere else. <laughs> like that's probably a sign for you that maybe you can consider outsourcing. And there's plenty of of amazing ghostwriters out there. One of my students is a ghostwriter, and she is a therapist. Sure. So um, finding one who can who can really uh, paint a picture and use your voice, you know, I think ghostwriters are an amazing thing to have. So. Like I said, I think everyone can learn how to write good copy, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to. The the other reality is that copywriters, um, yeah, you can either have someone kind of do a lot of that that lifting for you when you give them the direction, or you can work with folks who um, it's really more of a collaboration, right? They're mm, just helping yeah. you put the words together, um, and you're doing some of the writing, creating some of the the. the um, adjectives, stuff like that, but um, it can look different. I think it's a really smart thing to get help with that a lot of us don't get help with um, and end up just writing really shitty copy or really mediocre copy that could that could convert so much better um, and be yeah. such a game changer for your business. So, you know, I would just say to listeners, don't, don't be afraid to get some help with this, whether it's a course or whether it's, um, you, you know, what, what, what you have coming out, Laura, or, um, working with someone in a, in a more kind of in-depth fashion. So it's, and it's, it's one of those things that when you have it up there um, and it's working for you, you don't, it's not, it's not like a monthly expense, right? It's not like something you've got to re-up every month. So if you get really great copy that represents you and you already kind of know generally who you are as a clinician and who you like to work with, it's going to be there for a while, right? Same thing with things like a logo. Um, it's going to continue to represent you until you get to a point where maybe you want to do a rebrand or something like that. But that's really, you know, kind of down the road. And not a lot of people are thinking about that right off the bat. A, a lot of therapists are just in this 
position of, I just need to get my stuff better all around. Um, not even thinking about a rebrand or something like that. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of resources. And I think in, in the practice building space, you know, people are coming up with more resources and paying more attention to it because we see how important it is. Um, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you're, for most people, the, your website is like your front line. Like that's the first thing for the most part, the first thing people have access to. For, so from a marketing standpoint, your website is extremely important. So if you have a, a shitty website or bad copy that doesn't speak to anybody and it's really bland and boring, but then you spend $1,000 a month on Google AdWords, like people are going to be right. coming to a shitty website. It's <laughs> right. such a waste of money. Yeah. So I think having a really good website that uh, speaks to your brand, it's authentic to who you are, you are actually speaking to your ideal client while repelling the rest, uh, you're telling stories. Like if you feel like your copy is good and you have a good website, then you can feel free to spend a little bit more or invest in other types of marketing strategies where people can land on your website and you can feel confident in the conversion rates. Absolutely. Laura, you have been amazing as I knew you would be, <laughs> um, not only entertaining, but also informative. Is there any, you've given us a lot of um, kind of really concrete tips on copywriting and also on um, how to how to really enhance our Psychology Today page, but is there anything else you want to throw in there in terms of what therapists can do next? Yeah, so I just wanted to give like a quick rundown of what my process looks like when I'm creating a page from scratch, because I think that's where people are, they, awesome. they open that blank document and they're like, shit. Um, so this is my process really quick. So just some, some concrete actionable tips here. So first what I do is I open up a blank word document, whatever page I'm working on. And I just completely word vomit on the document. Mm -hmm. There's no organization, nothing. Like I'm just spitting out every single thing I can think of having to do with that page. It can be bullet points, words, phrases, entire sentences. It doesn't matter. You're just getting everything out there. So that's kind of the first round. Then I go back and I try to look and I read the whole, maybe it's two pages long and I try to find order. Like what, how can I start see this coming, coming together in a way that makes sense? And I, I try to organize the page a little bit more into different sections and each page can be a little bit different, but then my next round. So at this point I've already maybe deleted some things, added a few things, but it's at least more organized. So during this third round, I then pick how I want my reader to read it. So I, ch I choose, it's, it may sound manipulative, but I choose how I want my reader to read my content. If you're someone who's on my email list, for example, I send these really long, elaborate emails to my sure. list. <laughs> but, but when I write it for the first time, it's like a clusterfuck of nonsense. It's like shit everywhere. Right, right. And I go back through it and I'm like, okay, let's organize this into something that makes sense. But then I go back through it a third time and I see okay, how do I want someone to read this, this paragraph right here? And I'll bold certain words, italicize, underline, like I will highlight certain words or phrases so that when someone's reading it, and I'll read it out loud to myself, when someone's reading it, they're going to read it exactly how I want them to read it. So I'll create headings for each section. Um, but then my next step is I'll separate the sections out so that there isn't just one huge page of text, right? We were talking earlier about breaking it up. So at that point, you're going to separate sections with some relevant images, even a simple, like a literal line across the page, something to uh, indicate to someone, okay, we're on to the next part of this. So it sounds kind of like an intense process. It's not. I mean, some pages aren't going to be super long, but I think that's a really good way to start from absolutely nothing blank page to actually having a page that makes sense and is organized and compelling. 
Damn, that was impressive. <laughs> That's the beginning of my of my course. Listeners are going to have to do yeah. like, you know how you can speed up a podcast, like 2x? Like they're going yeah, to have yeah. to do like half time and be <laughs> like, okay, she says do what now? Um, <laughs> yeah. Laura, you have been amazing, more than amazing. And um, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you and um, anything else you want to kind of let us know about right now? Yeah. So I'd love for them to join me over at your badass therapy practice.com. They can sign up for my email list. I send all kinds of good shit. Uh, I do not self promote in every single email because that's really annoying. Um, so I send lots of funny stories <laughs> that <laughs> nice. people might like. It's all related to practice building. It, it, there, there is meaning behind the madness. I'm also on Facebook. So just facebook.com slash your badass therapy practice. And uh, if they're interested in the free course on uh, taking your psychology today from from bad to badass, it is literally just courses.yourbadasstherapypractice.com. And they'll see all the courses that I have up and running. Awesome. There you have it, folks. Laura Long from yourbadasstherapypractice.com. What more could you want? <laughs> <laughs> thanks Laura, for thanks for you, being John. here. See you around. Thank you. Bye. Running a private practice takes a lot of work and it often feels like there's just not enough time to get it all done. So I really encourage you just to focus on one small thing at a time. So maybe you've just listened to this episode and you're thinking, wow, I've got so much to do. I've got all this information to incorporate and it's really easy to feel overwhelmed. So I want you to just take maybe one or two things from the episode that you're going to do. Maybe you're going to optimize your Psychology Today profile based on Laura's recommendations, or maybe you're going to rewrite just one page on your website. If you haven't already, head over to privatepracticeworkshop.com where you can sign up absolutely free for the Business Basics Workshop. This is the online course that I've come up with to help everyone run a really tight ship in their business so that you can step back and focus on the bigger picture stuff like how am I going to get more clients? All right, that's it for this week. I'll see you next time. 